0: Last Shabbat, I felt led to offer a challenge. And as Michael so um, graphically pointed out, the challenge wasn't out to you all without including me, obviously. Because I have been, I believe, inspired to seek God and say, Lord, what is it that you would like for me to trust you for during this coming season? I mentioned last Shabbat that this is a very special season that in traditional Judaism is called Yemei Ratzon, which means a time of favor. And I believe as we looked in in Scripture, we see that there are times when when the lord makes himself available as it were often in response to to our prayer our reaching out to him but then other times simply because of his own will because he has his calendar his ways of planning And um, as I offered the challenge, and as I was looking down, I purposely did not want to look up and see who was and was not standing. I looked down and I sensed people getting up in response to the challenge. Not my challenge, but I believe the challenge of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And um, part of what happens in traditional synagogues, and by the way, if you recall, I mentioned the fact that tradition can be positive and can be scriptural, or it can be out there and it can be anti-scriptural. And part of the wisdom that we seek from the Lord is simply to say, Lord, what is valuable in tradition Jewish tradition and Christian tradi- tradition. <laughs> um, what do we want to embrace? What do we want to filter out? But this notion of seeking God earnestly for His favor in our life, I think, is is a wonderfully valuable emphasis in traditional Judaism and one that which we want to embrace and again traditional Judaism emphasizes the need during these Yemei Ratzon, these um, days of favor uh, from the beginning of the month of Elul until Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement much of the emphasis is on making things right with other people and by the way we, we see that in Scripture Uh, We see that, for example, in Leviticus, the offering of compensation, which is called a guilt offering, requires that a person be right with their fellow man before bringing a sacrifice. Yeshua emphasizes the same thing in Matthew. And as was alluded to earlier, if you have something against your brother or your sister and you are at the altar... Drop it and go make things right with Him. Seek to make things right with Him. And having been around in ministry for what seems like forever, it's only been 21 years, I know that this is one tough area. I don't believe that any one of us reads Scripture in relation to to this area, and says, rock and roll, yes, Lord, come on, I see the word, I want to do it, now, let's do it, my impression, for most of us, probably for all of us, at one time or another, is to say, yeah, Lord, I know that that's what it says, that's what you tell us. But you are inviting me to have a lunch of ground glass. Part of what, we have, what I've heard over the years is things like, um, I don't want to go there. I have too much pain. Um, they're never going to change. Things will never get better. And all I'm going to do is open myself up and get plowed again. And my answer to that, of course, is yes and no. Yes, perhaps, in a sense, that in our human interaction, life gets messy. Right? right? Relationships get messy. Uh, None of us was plopped into this world and given a complete teflon coat to protect us emotionally etc from everything the presence of god is with us as we um, have committed our life to him but part of the redemption means that the lord allows us to go through difficult experiences and pain in our relationship, especially when there's conflict. So on one hand, yes, as we seek to make things right, pain comes. But no, it really is not about pain, folks. Please hear me. Resolving conflict is not about pain. My pain, somebody else's pain, resolving conflict is about the Lord. First of all, being able to step back and see his hand at work which is infinitely bigger than you and I. Yes? You're not sure. And we go in confidence that somehow God will be at work on the, with the other person but first of all with us to bring about transformation, to bring about shalom. Isaac, can I have just a bit more? Thank you. Um, Shalom, as you well know, means relational wholeness. And he is Adonai Shalom, the Lord of not just peace and absence of war, but of completion. That's his heart. He is the God of reconciliation. And this is where I believe God wants us to go during this season and I'm trusting him and I want to encourage everybody here to do likewise because we're all fellow strugglers. Every single one of us has a relationship somewhere in our life that is not whole. And yes, I know I'm taking this wonderful psalm and I'm making it eminently depressing. I mean th- this is held up as the uh as a great love song between David and the lord and uh and it is, and it is. but sometimes we very conveniently choose to ignore the context, the background that these psalms are in. David is not in the bubble, folks, in case you haven't noticed. If you haven't read his story, let me encourage you to read 1 Samuel chapter 15 on through 2 Samuel and you'll see the conflict. And this is particularly crucial for us as a mishpacha, as a covenant community because a community, folks, is built on a network of relationships. And I believe that as... We are faithful to trust God for healing and restoration in our relationships. I believe so the Lord will bring about a greater degree of health and wholeness and shalom to us as a congregation, as a covenant community. You may remember, by the way, that covenants typically involve blood, shedding of blood, all the way from the Abrahamic covenant onward. Blood is a substance of life, and it flows through every part of our body. And likewise, committed relationships are the substance of life for us as a covenant community. Where there are breakdown in relationships or hindrances, we as a body are hindered and are weakened, and our health is compromised. so what what does this have to do with Psalm 63 well as you look at this psalm more carefully you notice the fact that David's circumstances are not real pretty beginning in verse 1 O oh God you are my God I will seek you earnestly my soul thirsts for you my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water part of what commentators do sometimes is they over spiritualize this you know this is all about David's hunger for God and and his deep spiritual yearning yes and no what does God use to bring about that yearning well those dry times the difficult times when we recognize that we really need God and nothing brings about that reality like interpersonal conflict that is beyond us. And we say, Grr, Lord, help here. I can fix it. You can, maybe. My, my soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land. you know that when you enter into a conflict with somebody, it is debilitating. It, it, it drains you, doesn't it? It makes you feel deflated. Let's see what else I can do to depress you this morning. <laughs> and it, it threatens to take away hope and vigor and, and vitality and all these kinds of things because it, it takes a lot out of you. And part of our natural reality is to shove it into a corner. That's one response, or else the other response is to say, there is a problem, I'm going to fix it. You know, just like auto mechanics. If there's a problem, uh, I will see if I can find the right kind of part, and by golly, I'll fix it. Well, neither solution, neither approach really works. Neither the stuffing nor the fixing. Because God is the ultimate fixer. Amen? Amen. And you see, at the end of this psalm, David is very emphatic about the fact that he's not having a good time. Did you pick up on that? Those who seek my life to destroy it, to kill me. We're not really sure exactly what is the context, what took place in David's life here. Um, it's possible that it was during the time when Saul was sending the assassination squads to try and kill him. More likely, I believe, is what took place during Absalom's rebellion. And by the way, the word for destroy in Hebrew is shoah, which is the word that's typically used to describe the Holocaust. Devastating Destruction. That's part of what David is going through. The mouths, verse 11, at the end, the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. There are apparently those who were seeking to deceive others. Into rejecting David's rule and authority. And I believe again that it fits Absalom's rebellion, which is the 2nd uh, Samuel chapter 15, 13 through 18. Very, very difficult time in, in David's life. This came about as a result of the sin with Bathsheba. And one son, Amnon, killed, excuse me, Absalom killed one of his brothers, Amnon, and then fled and was gone for about four years. And eventually, David was persuaded to welcome him back to Jerusalem, and for a couple more years, Absalom was left out and given the cold shoulder. Again, we realize that David, the incredible man of God that he was, had his stuff. Like we all have our stuff. And this is where I'm sure at least one of us would have come alongside David and pointed a bony finger at him and say, David, you are in sin. In any event, God is able. We can run, but we cannot hide, folks. I hope that phrase comforts you. We can run, but we cannot hide. The Lord is is always pursuing us. And as you may know the Absalom story, eventually David gathered. Well, he fled from Jerusalem because he was convinced that Absalom was going to come and uh, kill him, his own son, kill him and take over the throne. Absalom, by the way, just went through a a time in, in Hebron one of the other cities where he was basically seducing people and and deceiving them into following him and rejecting David. There was a battle. 20,000 people died, including Absalom. You talk about a shaking, a bruising experience. That was it. That was it. I know um, none of us, as far as I know, are involved in that kind of situation explicitly as far as familial conflict. But I've been around enough to know that all of us, to one degree or another, have brokenness in our family. And I've shared that from time to time. I'll share it again. My father... And I um, began to have restored relationship about 10 years ago. And I was challenged to do that. I reached out and he responded. And uh, things went well for a while. And then um, my mom died. My father remarried. And his new wife wasn't interested in promoting good relationship between my father and my sister and I and things got difficult in fact things got ugly but that's not the end of the story folks it's not the end of the story and I realized that for each one of us, relationship with parents and children and other family members form the foundation of, of our life. We build our life on these kinds of family relationships, and where we have good, healthy relationships, and when we are properly nurtured, we build on those, and we learn to give ourselves to others in relationship in relationships that are healthy. Because we were properly given that background. But if we start out with life where we don't have healthy relationships, then we build upon that. And it's a mess. But God is able to come in and bring His redemptive power to bear. Amen? Even when it's toxic and difficult... He is clearly on the throne. And this is what we see David doing here, folks. That's basically his default mode to use computer language. Anytime there is conflict and difficulty in his life, yeah, he is very much straightforward with the Lord and saying, Lord, here it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat or airbrush it. And you know, as I've mentioned from time to time, you get the impression that David is on an emotional roller coaster. He starts out sometimes in one of the Psalms saying, Lord, I'm done, finished. Where are you? Who are you? Do you care for me? Um, I'm not going to do you much good when I'm dead. I love the Psalms, you know, I, I, I really feel like I can relate to them sometimes, especially when we have the uh, Oregon sunshine days, James loves them, um, I ask for special grace from the Lord, but um, in any case, David, David's default mode is to come running to the Lord. And I'm delighted that we, we have in the psalm not only these glorious phrases that talk about David's love and passion for the Lord, but we also have the reality of the fact that life is difficult. I hate it when people try to over-spiritualize the fact that this guy had pain. The fact that he had pain... Means that he has the platform, he has earned the right to speak into my life, into your life, I hope. In the land, Lord, I am in the land that is weary and doesn't have water. What does David do? He makes a beeline for the Lord. He makes a beeline for the Lord. Lord, you are my God, verse 1. I earnestly seek you, Hebrew phrase there means also, you are my first priority. Some of us, it's after you've had your cup of coffee and you have had the the drug percolate through your system and there's some kind of consciousness and awareness, others uh, pop up and say, Lord, good morning, Lord. I'm afraid I'm more the other kind. But David is saying, Lord, when when, I have, when I'm clothed and in my right mind, however early it takes place, I seek you. Why? Because I have a hunger for you. I have a hunger for you. My soul thirsts for you. I need to come and drink. I'm thirsty for you. And one of the things that David does here is he takes pause to remember what God has done in his life. And folks, this is something that is a huge need for us when we go through difficulties. Part of what happens is we can grind the difficulties, you know, sort of um, your-ish, if you're familiar with the stories, uh, childhood stories that I've had to learn recently. Um, everything is bad, everything is terrible. Instead, David, what David does at some point here, he goes back to the times when he had these special times with God. In the temple, when I was in the temple in Jerusalem, I saw your power and your glory. Now, I dare you to look back into your life I think everybody here who knows the Lord, who has walked with God, who has a relationship with God, everybody here can look at their life and say, here was a time when God came through to me, for me, in a decisive manner. And what you find in Scripture a lot is people are commanded to put piles of stones, for example, when Israel crosses the Jordan, they're told to put a pile of stone in, in remembrance. When Israel defeats the Philistines in 1 Samuel 7, Samuel does that. He puts a, a, a pile of stones there as, as a remembrance. It's hugely important for us to be able to pause and take time to remember how God came through in our life. Because that's an encourager for us to keep on keeping on, but it's also an encourager for us to praise God and say, Lord, you have come through for me. You have been my help. That's what David is saying. On my bed, I remember, I think of you through the watches because you are my help. In Hebrew, literally, it's you have been my help. You were my help. And because at some point you remember times when God came through, you recognize that He alone is your recourse. Your recourse, The only real answer. And part of what happens, folks, as we go through all this silliness of trying to run scenarios and figure things out, And say, well, maybe I should do this and go over here and say this. Or maybe I should go over there and try this. uh, Or maybe this doesn't work, I'll try this. And at some point, we give up. And we say, God, I don't know what to do, I'm clueless. Please show me, please work your power and your glory in this utterly miserable and messy situation. I have no clue what it's going to look like you do. You do. And no, unfortunately, we don't take a pill and it gets all better. Don't you wish you could do that? It's a process. God has to get a hold of us and convince us of this basic reality that He is in control that He has plans, that He's at work, that regardless of what we do, what we don't do, how perfect we do, how imperfect we do, God is at work in situations that seem intractable, utterly difficult, hopeless, that make us feel like we are in a dry and weary land. To come back to my story for a minute, I went through a period with my father and and his widow where my blood pressure was 2,000 over 150. And uh, I was not a very nice guy to be around. But really, I didn't really feel wonderful inside. And at some point... God broke through, the Son, God's Son broke through, you know, like in Malachi. God's Son broke through. And the Lord gave me a basic reality that what really makes the difference is not my earthly father, but my heavenly father. And I drew a lot of comfort from that. I was able to have some degree of compassion from my father. It's taken a while to have that same compassion for his widow. But God is able, folks. The book of Hebrews, to quote one of my favorite scriptures, the book of Hebrews tells us that Yeshua is interceding for us. Do you understand that? Yeshua is interceding for you on a daily basis. He's alive. He is at work. And because he is engaged in that, he is able to redeem fully and completely. The caveat there is that we welcome him to come and do that. You know, part of silly reality for us is that we have this notion that maybe we can handle things and figure things out better than God can. Been there, done that, to have several t-shirts. And at some point, the Lord gets a hold of us and says, How about you quitting? Perhaps there's just a, a slight possibility that you don't know everything and you don't have the complete power to fix everything. He's able to redeem fully and completely. And we get it. We get it. Verse, 60, uh, uh, verse 3 of chapter 6, 63, because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Again, love here being chesed, committed, covenant, loyal love. You know that God is committed to you, that He is engaged in your life, that he is aware of what's going on, that he has all the needed power to bring about change and transformation. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So because of that, we realize, yes, we've, we deal with reality on the ground, and yes, we deal with life. We get up in the morning, we get dressed, we go take care of business, whatever it is. But in and through that, what really drives our engine, folks, is the Lord's chesed, the Lord's presence, the Lord's reality in our life. Especially uh, when we feel like we're climbing up those steep hills. Tov your, chazdecha, your goodness, your love that hangs in there is better than life here David just piles on the language folks if you, you see it in Hebrew it, it just it is just overflowing you know piling on superlatives my soul will be satisfied as with the riches of foods riches of food went to whom it went to God it went to God when you brought a sacrifice who got the best portion? The fat. I mean, for us, this would be disgusting, but in those days, the best portion went to God. And what, this is, what David is saying is, Lord, you take your good portion and you give to me. And, and I, I am satisfied to the point where I I feel full. Do you ever feel that way, folks? Yes, we go through dry times, but what really makes the difference is the fact that we understand that beneath us is the Yeshua aquifer. You know that we can draw all the water that we need. It brought to mind the discussion that Yeshua had with the Samaritan woman in John four. Yeshua said to her, "If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you water now we We often look at the woman, the Samaritan woman, and we sneer. We don't understand the fact that she is us. Because we don't get what Yeshua is saying any more than she did sometimes. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Don't you see yourself in her shoes? Coming to the Lord and giving all these reasons why what He's offering is not going to happen. Lord, it ain't going to happen. Not in my lifetime. You know, uh, you don't have the, the right kind of bucket um, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And where is this living water going to come from? And then she she puts on the, the uh, final piece de resistance, the, f- the final statement. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Again, another one of these statements. Yeshua says to her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. And whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do you realize that in all circumstances in life, the Lord wants you to experience full satisfaction because of his presence in your life? Full satisfaction, this basic sense that regardless of the craziness, the wackiness, the messiness, the pain, regardless of all of that. Yes, it is there, regardless of all of that. You have a basic sense of the Lord's shalom knowing that, that He's got it covered. Somehow, He's got it covered. And I remember this a couple of years ago which uh, on some level felt like a year from hell. I had two traffic accidents. I had four back injuries. And somehow in the midst of that, God got a hold of me. I really felt like the Lord sat me down and said, okay, we're going to have this conversation. And God does those kinds of things in our life, folks. If we let him, if we welcome him to do that. And part of the process then is that the Lord gets touchy. Don't you love it? Nah. As we come to the Lord and drink, he does to us what he did to the Samaritan woman. Go get your husband. Um, I have a problem here. Yes, I know you have a problem here. What the Lord does in in the midst of all of that, in the midst of us walking with Him, experiencing His peace, the Lord taps us on the shoulder and says to us, my child, we have a basic problem with a sin in your life. I notice it's God saying that. It is not us putting ourselves on examination table and, and looking for fleas in us it's the Lord and if, it's the, if it is the Lord if it is the Spirit of God convicting us it's going to be a gentle probing gentle touching where well, we're not going to feel violated but we're going to feel released from the junk that we've been carrying around and we say yes Lord you're right I'm, I'm sorry please forgive me I repent Take this. F- cleanse me. Cleanse me. Now part of the psalm that gives us fits is that it seems to be one of these imprecatory psalms where David says, Lord, I love you, but would you please see to it that my enemy's teeth fall out and that they they plop into the ground and that hail falls on them. In short, would you please nuke them? It's, it's hard for us to reconcile. Lord, I love you. You're cool. You're absolutely wonderful. And by the way, would you please nuke them? What we have to remember here is that David... Is not just speaking about himself as an individual. He's the king of Israel. He's representing the nation. And people who have risen up against him are also risen up against his people. But first of all, have risen up against God. God and God's order. Part of the message here is, Lord, would you please judge not just my enemies, but your, your enemies. I don't see the David is saying, Lord, I'm cool, I'm absolutely 100% in the right. Because when the Lord convicted him, he repented. None of us is in a perfect relationship. None of us has 100% of the right on our side. We realize that the Lord is the righteous judge. That where we have been on target, He will vindicate us. He will vindicate what He's been doing with us. Where we're off target, He'll point it out. The Spirit of God will convict us and we'll say, you're right, forgive me. And then, in the process, God will give us mercy and compassion for those who have been in difficult circumstance with us who have been in conflict with us and we humble ourselves and say lord of course you're right father knows best just to pull some threads together we endeavor To welcome God into all areas of our life. I hope you do. It's a process. Where you say, Lord, here are the keys to every single room in my house. And yes, that includes the messy closets. And yes, it includes the difficult relationships. And no, I'm not interested in being the judge, jury, and executioner. I want your wholeness your reconciliation, your shalom. And yes, you're able to give me what it takes to move in the right direction. This is going to be the week of prayer for us. I want to encourage everybody to take at least an hour this coming week. I hope you are able to come and join us tomorrow night and and, and begin this week with worship and praise and seeking God and, and acknowledging who He is. And then this week, say, Lord, what is it that you want to accomplish in my life through this hour or so of prayer? Give me the focus, the vision that I can trust you for during this week of prayer. Keep me from distractions, you know that that i that the phone doesn't ring that I don't get sleepy and et cetera et cetera that when I go to pray that i'm not i don't start to think about work and etc let's trust God this week for great things in us individually in us as A congregation corporately. Remember that when the Lord works, He works in multiple levels. Best example for me is that of being the Trekkie that I am, of Spock playing chess with a computer. You know, having chess pieces up and down. God is not Spock. Thank you, Lord. But you get the message. God will do good things in you and I believe He'll do good things through you. Come prepared in faith to seek God, to seek God for His great work to be done. Let's pray. Abba Father, we thank You for Your counsel your loving, gracious, and sovereign counsel. We thank you, Lord God, that you work all things according to the counsel of your will. We thank you, Lord God, for for the niflaot, the great things, the wonders that you have to do in our life during this coming year, and particularly, Lord, during this week. Lord, we want to seek you for breakthroughs in our life individually, Lord, We pray for breakthroughs in those areas that have been intractable, that have not yielded. Lord God, we pray that you would break through, that we would see your power and your glory in our lives individually and in our lives corporately as a mishpacha, as a congregation. We pray, Lord God, for health and wholeness. Your shalom, Lord God, because you are Adonai shalom. We pray that who you are, Lord, will be manifested in our life this coming week. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen.